Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Inspire the Podcast with myself, Nicola Wills. After spending many hectic years working a 60-hour week as a journalist, our guest knew the stressful pace was impacting her sleep, energy, and mood. Recognizing something had to change, she decided to take control of her well-being. Having a personal interest in holistic therapies, she trained in aromatherapy and began formulating complex and effervacious essential oils, blends at home. In 2005, she teamed up with friend Oliver Monell to launch Neom, which today is one of the leading wellness brands in the UK and beyond. Today, Neom's mission is to help boost people's well-being around the world through small steps that can make a big difference. Please welcome Nicola Elliott. Hello. Hi, darling. Thank, Thank you for you having s- me. Oh, of course. Thank you so, so much for joining us. So obviously in your bio, a very successful CEO, you've got it all. But in this podcast, what I love to do is to really go behind the scenes of what it took, the stories behind the success, and just how did you get to this place? So if it's okay with you, I would like to go right back to the beginning and share baby Nicola. Where did it all start? Go for it. Do you mean baby Nicola, baby Nicola, or do you mean baby Nicola pre-neon? Baby Nicola, where were you born? What's your life growing up? Your schooling? How, how did, how does that really, you know, what does that look like? Well, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because I do ask myself a little bit, now I have children, what did I do? What bits would I want to replicate and not replicate? And I was thinking this the other day, talking this through the other day, so when I was a really, really naughty child, Nicola. Mm, yeah, I was. <laughs> like, a ch- what, and I know you're not meant to say that now, um, so I don't say it to my also similar daughter, um, but I think I just wasn't very good at sticking within the rules and the lanes of normal life. I just questioned everything. And, you know, of course that sort of, you know, transpired that it it was problematic at school. I was quite a clever kid, yeah. but um, I was constantly, you know, if the chemistry lesson was presented in the wrong way, I'd be like, well, I'm not listening to this. Or, if the, <laughs> you know, yeah. if the, I didn't like the maths, I was like, there's no point in this because I'm going to double down on English and art because I like that. So, yeah. you know, just probably very tiresome and difficult to parent. But it is fascinating, as I say, not for for no other reason for me now than to think, what are our children doing, and how are they sort of fitting in with norms, and how do we kind of get the best out of them? I suppose so. It's pretty naughty and um, always in trouble. I definitely think probably spending you know time in therapy post thirty five that was the start of my anxiety actually, oh, um, uh, which led to now. And also, I was raised in the north. You can probably tell from my dulcet tones, which I think gave me a bit of a no-nonsense attitude, um, which has been helpful, I think. And uh, my father was an entrepreneur. He had a car um, auction, which is as far from a beauty brand as you know you possibly could imagine in the business world. But I think there's some commonalities. Whatever you do, that real sort of roll your sleeves up, get on with it, um, you know, attitude. And um, and that sort of belief that you can do anything and a desire to want to work for yourself. Yeah. I did quite well in the corporate world later on. It's sort of, I suppose you would call corporate world. I worked at Condé Nast for nearly 10 years as a journalist. But in my family, working for yourself was always the, was always the sort of the uber goal. Okay. Um, 
So I think, again, it's interesting when you look back and you yeah. look at things that have, that have shaped you, I would say they're the main things. Yeah. And the thing is, at the time when you're, you know, that naughty child at school, actually, it's such a blessing because if you didn't have that feist, that spirit, that actually, no, I want to do things differently, that is the makings of an entrepreneur. But when you're at school and you're being taught, you know, you, you've got to stay in line and don't keep, go to the rules, you feel like you're bad. It's not like celebrated the traits that you had. And obviously only now as a mum can you see that in your daughter and you're like, you know, you're difficult, but go on, girl. You know, it's exactly. You know, she got a bad behaviour point yesterday for laughing at someone throwing their flower all over the floor in, you know, home economics or something. But that's and, funny. Uh, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Her point to that then was that she wanted to raise a grading system for points because, you know, it's you know, it's very suppressing to not be able to laugh at someone whose flower has been, I think it was caught in like the whisk and it went all over the teacher or something. There's no part of her that would no. just go, suck it up. It's a thing yeah. you're not meant to laugh at and you move on. And so those little things that you can well, see, um, they start early, they're, they're way more challenging to parent. Of course they yeah. are. Yeah. And on a small thing like that, it's less of a problem when it becomes something bigger and she's arguing about, you know, curfew or whatever. Clearly it's harder, but it's got to start at that point yeah. because it's just sort of intrinsically your belief and it's in you. Yeah. So do you believe in your heart and your being that you were always meant to be an entrepreneur? Like, Did you know that in your teenage years? Well, I wanted to be a journalist. And I was a journalist and I loved that. But okay. I, was, I was quite clever, quite but um, I was really good at English and maths and I was pretty useless, yeah. at, so not English and maths, English and art, and I was pretty useless at everything else. And I think that stood me in really good stead because the kids that are really clever at everything, they've got loads of choice, right? Yeah. Whereas I had very little choice. What can you do with English and art? Um, and so I really wanted to be a journalist and um, and I was very passionate about that and I did love that career. I left for different reasons, but I did really enjoy my time doing that. But apart from that, I think really being an entrepreneur was the only thing that fulfilled the skills that I had. And yeah. I am really a, I'm really a fan in life of going towards the things that you're good at rather than working super hard and doubling down on the things that you're less yeah. good at. So I um, agree. yeah, I think it was I think that was probably always in me. And it's something very creative about being an entrepreneur, especially doing the sort of thing I do, possibly not like if you were, you know, I don't know, selling widget valves over and over again. But I love the idea of building something. What will the community look like? What will the brand look like? What will the products look like? How will um, we present it? I can almost see it sort of, you know, like I don't know, like people might see a house renovation or um or or designing a fashion collection. I see the whole thing and 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 putting it together and building it is is a really creative process yeah. that requires a whole load of gumption at the same yeah. time. Those two sort of skills. So um yeah, it's words and it's pictures and it's emotions coming to life. Yeah. And I think if that is the heart of your skill set, being an entrepreneur is a really, really good outlet for it. And I, do you know what? there's so many other things I would have loved to have done. I sit, you know, even yesterday, I'm sort of thinking, oh, I'd love to do like really healthy food cafe chain or something, you know? Yeah. And I could see what it'd look like and I could see what would be, I can, I can do that for many different businesses and it gets me excited. So yeah, I think that was one of only a few possibilities for me. I certainly couldn't have been a lawyer. I did do work experience for a week being a lawyer. Oh. And then I sat in a room going, sorry, I've got to read 24 files <laughs> on my own in a room. No, this no. isn't going to work. 
to me. No, 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 no. And remember them. No. Oh my God, so, yeah. Um, yeah, the, my choices were limited. And you, you touched on that you had anxiety. How, through your teenage years, kind of the early 20s, when you were, um, you know, going to university and you were at Condé Nast, what was your confidence like then? How have you always been confident? You know, obviously we see you here for me now and you're like, you know, you're the spicy CEO, but has that always been the case that you had that self-belief? Yes, I think so. I, you know, I don't big myself up in many areas because I'm typically Northern. Yeah. I, I think I always have been quite confident. That's That doesn't mean I don't question myself. I don't think I get things wrong or I don't, I can't see my, you know, my flaws because I absolutely can. Um, but I think quietly, quite confident about what I'm doing and where I'm going and why on balance I'm going in that direction. You know, we spoke before the podcast started about sort of only not having to be perfect. I think that comes from a belief of, I think it's crazy to think you would be perfect at anything or in any capacity. So I think when you get that into your head and you're only really going for sort of 60, 70, 80% of anything, yeah. because that's what you believe is the right possible way of moving forward, then actually I think with that comes confidence. Whereas if I believed intrinsically that things have to be 100%, I have to be 100%, yeah. my God, of course it would threaten my confidence because every day there would be signposts as to, you're failing. Yeah. So lower the standards and then the confidence, I think, comes alongside it. Love that. That's such great advice. And so you're in your 20s, you're working at Condé Nast, and how long are you there for? So I... Conde Nast is where I worked latterly because I worked at oh, Glamour okay. but I worked at Emas. Love Glamour, Glamour. Oh my god, it was like my bible. Brilliant. What, was, what does Glamour say? Okay, this is what I need to do um, to get a date. This is what I need to wear. The date to go well. It was just. I hope you. I hope you weren't taking too much advice from that because that was probably just me being like. So I worked, that was one of the best jobs ever. I worked yeah. there twice, actually. I worked as a junior and then I went back to work as a senior sort of later on. But I worked everywhere. I did Marie Claire. In fact, I did Marie Claire in Australia. I came back, I did Heat, uh, that was in the fun times when it was yeah. all this madness. I yeah. did Minx, which was a teen magazine. I worked on InStyle, doing the covers, going to LA, New York. Wow. Back. I did the same at Glamour. Um, I, I met the best friends of my life. Yeah, in, I bet. And they still are. You know, we had such fun. It was brilliant. It's obviously a very different time now. Yeah. But um, but it was brilliant, and I loved it. It was it was just a fantastic career. Not particularly well paid, and you worked crazy hours. It was your um, life. Like you, it's like being a performer. The same. It's like if you're a performer, if you're a journalist, you live, breathe, sleep. There's no like, there's no hobbies. Like that is your whole life, isn't it? Your yeah. being. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. But you know, the, it, it's funny that whole concept because the the line of where it sort of stopped being a job and started being a hobby was very blurred for me, mm. and not not in a negative way. Actually, yeah. you know, we we were just friends, all kind of coming up with great uh, creative ideas and yeah. and seeing them through. And it was a and it was the boom days of you know celebrity and and magazines and 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 so we enjoyed it. It was brilliant, but I do think working that hard obviously yeah. when you're working with america the day could only start it's just i almost had two days because you, you did england in the in the till four and then we do new york and then you do la la didn't wow. start five so you know that was yeah. sort of 
And then you would start really wrangling with with publicists till nine o'clock at night. And, you know, it wasn't just my job. I think, look, I was 25. What yeah. you did at 25? You're partying like a nutter. Yeah. You're not sleeping. This is back in 2005. There was no, well-being wasn't a word. No. We're going to gyms. No, and the thing is, it was like, I remember, you know, like the MySpace Facebook days that like it was cool to post a picture of yourself and your mates like passed out with like yeah. McDonald's next to you. You're like, yeah, that yeah. we pulled yeah. it all night. Like that was so cool. Yeah, totally. You know, and it was and like it your was mom fun. that it did was like fun. yoga. Um, you know, no yeah. one, there was nothing about mindfulness no, or wellness, nothing. Totally. And look, I don't regret that. There were brilliant, yeah. brilliant days. And I, I've maxed every chapter in my life. And that was certainly one that I maxed. And, um, and it was great fun. But it did start having an effect on my well-being. And um, there was no light bulb moment for Neon because no. I think Roy says is the one. There wasn't. I think quite often that becomes a sort of culmination of bits yeah. and pieces. But one of those pieces was definitely my own well-being and starting with anxiety and or starting to really sort of see ramifications of anxiety. And a big piece of that had to be my lifestyle. And I remember my mum saying, you're just not looking after yourself. Again, there was no word for well-being. She was like, when do you ever see the light? When do you ever eat anything other than pasta, pesto when you get back? When do you ever, you know... Um, exercise or you, you just don't look after yourself and sleep properly you know i think it was i think oh it wasn't too bad of a night on a saturday if i was in bed by 4 30. Yeah. So but the thing is there was no conversation about it, it wasn't like no. you know my mum isn't an amazing mum but she didn't know i didn't know no. there was no conversation there was no education there was no social media to or podcast to listen to just think how I can so. i be better it was just like absolutely a scrappy existence. Yeah, wasn't it? I mean, there was a really, really crusty old health food shop on the road in <laughs> Islington with like a, an old banana and a basket outside. Yeah. It was not an appealing thing to get yeah. involved in. It was there was no fresh and wild, and that was where I bought my first essential oils. And I'm telling you, walking through the door was a bit like ha 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 ha. You yeah, know, yeah. It was. I can't, I can't remember the name of this place. I was thinking about it the other day. Anyway, I probably shouldn't name and shame, but it was really when health food shops were like you know. Just ninety eight percent full of nuts and an yeah. open nut and a <laughs> rotty and it was yeah rotty. like embarrassing like yeah you exactly. it was where you're like your crazy nana and aunt went you know exactly. after their coffee in town I I know because my I'm from Paul in Dorset and I remember walking through and like oh that's a gross shop you exactly. know now that's hot exactly. and embarrassing you know people in yes people in uh, you know in in bad shoes going in and my <laughs> friends who were all beauty <laughs> journalists as well. I was moving, I was becoming very interested in naturals at the same time. Okay. There's another pillar. My sister worked at Friends of the Earth and she was like yeah. a total staunch greenie. I mean, way before that was cool as well, no. right? And um, and and so she was talking to me a, a lot about products that we were using and what we should and we shouldn't be using in products. I was fascinated in that. And um, But my friends who were journalists, interestingly now, a lot of them who profess to be wellbeing experts or natural experts were like, you know, no one's interested in natural products. They, you know, they just don't work. And they were sort of very much on the side of the cosmeceuticals, doctor brands that were were really big at the time. And I was like, well, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the case. You know, I think that you can get some really effective, quite potent, powerful natural ingredients. Um, it's just, it is harder to work with them. It is harder to develop them. Um, but if you get the right ones and you really blend them, and certainly where fragrances are concerned, you know, you really took me years to get some of our blends to a place where they were really sophisticated blends. So, you know, you can, you can do some amazing things, but even those girls who were at the top of their tree were just like, um, 
you know, what, what are you talking about? Like it's a about? bit like hippy dippy. Not, totally. Yeah, like you Not might as well just put a banana on your face, banana yeah. on your face. It's just the same. And I, I totally, totally exactly. you know, get that. I remember that time. I said yeah. severe acne. And I just remember like someone suggesting to me that it could be my gut health. You know, this is like 10, 15 years ago. And I was like, what? You know, no, I'm just going to buy this extra strong acid that's going to kill, you yeah. know, like this, yeah. the doctor. Totally. And I'm totally. cover my face in acid and think yeah. that that was fine while someone can, you know, saluting the crumpets and the... Absolutely. Orange I mean, juice. I went on a macrobiotic cookery course in Notting Hill, I remember, at this woman's house, like at the top of this flat, when, when Gwyneth Paltrow started talking about macrobiotics mm-hmm. and everyone thought it was the maddest, maddest thing. Now, yeah. actually, all the woman spoke about was, you know, the concept of eating whole foods that haven't been heavily processed. It made total sense, yeah. right? Like yeah. what anyone who knows is, is sort of this far into the research w- would understand now. But then again, my friends are like, what are you doing? And then I trained as a nutritionist and an aromatherapist oh. at the same time. So um, I just was fascinated in it. So again, it was sort of just a gentle stroll, I suppose, yeah. into, into creating Neom. And I remember at that time looking around and thinking, I suppose if there was a light bulb moment or, or, or a point of the yeah. of, of all the of all the sort of parts of my thinking that came together, I remember looking around and thinking, I'm suffering from stress and the ramifications of that. Every one of my friends seems to be suffering from either stress or poor sleep or lack of energy or a mood imbalance. It was sort of the realization that those four pillars were the four things that you needed to keep in check. And those four pillars, incidentally, were the things that everyone had one, if not two, if not three, if not four, out of kilter. And that for me was a bit of, was was a real kind of, if you think about me, I was building a wall. It was a yeah. real block on the wall because I remember thinking, I want to create something. I really do believe it needs to be about well-being. Um, I really do believe in the power of natural ingredients and that they are the things that can help us. And, and actually, I now realise that it needs to be about helping with these four disciplines, not a wide ranging, because people don't know where to start. And yeah, so yeah. It, needs to, it needs to be about defining well-being as these four sort of pillars. Um, so that was a real that was a real kind of moment. And then bit by bit, I sort of built the, the story the story up and the brand, I suppose. Yeah. And so just at this time, so are you still working full time whilst trading and doing these other things on the side? Well, I did it as a side hustle. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, initially, clearly I didn't have kids at that point, yeah, but yeah. I was doing evenings, weekends. Yeah. Then I, when I went back to Glamour for my l- latest role, because I worked there twice, as I said before, I managed to do a deal where I worked four days a week, which, again, in those days wasn't wow, doable. It just wasn't yeah. doable. And luckily, I'd proven my worth enough that they said, okay, and I said, that's the only way I can do this job. And so the fourth day and then the weekends, I would work on Neom. And, and I always say to people, God, j- just do it as a side hustle to start yeah, with. Yeah. Make sure you've got some sort of green light that this thing's going to work before you jump both feet into it. Um, so I did it that way. And then, yeah, then fi- sort and, of slow. And when you say side hustle, what did that look like? Were you selling you were selling essential oils or products at that time? Did you have the name? What, what, what was it? Yeah. Like. So we launched the brand, okay. um, but it was, as I say, sort of being run two and a half days a week and evenings and weekends. 
We launched just with candles, um, which was not what we planned. We always knew it would be what it what it is today. But when you're starting a brand and you're selling produce, obviously the minimum order quantities are quite high, and we just right. didn't have any money to buy the stock. So um, we had fifteen thousand pounds between us, Oliver and I. I had seven and a half from selling a car that I'd got for my twenty first. He had some in savings. So we thought we could put the vast majority of it into stock and a tiny bit into a really rubbish website, which is what we did. And when we sort of looked at all the products that we wanted to develop, which is sort of a lineup not dissimilar to what it is today, we thought actually the one product we should probably start with is the candle because in those days, and do you know what, this is funny because it's barely changed, 98% of candles were being made with paraffin wax, which is a crude oil derivative and scented with synthetic fragrance. So although you might like the smell of it, and I you know, also like a lot of synthetic uh, fragrance brands, which is pretty much everyone you could you could mention, um, you know, it was a crude oil derivative burning in yeah. your living room, your yeah. home. And so we thought actually the idea of being able to create something that's totally natural and that when it burns, and you breathe in this, it works as a treatment. That really is a very powerful story. And I used to go around all the spas because we only sold in spas originally and speak to the women on reception and say, if you've got girls coming in and they're stressed, if they buy this candle, if they light it, there's sort of 25 burnt treatments within it. And so although it was, you know, 35 pounds, I think back then, 20 years ago, yeah. it met, it works at about one pound 60 of treatment that they can continue this relaxing. And it's still the same story now. It just probably yeah. won't tell that as much, but um, they can continue this treatment. Wow. At so, so we launched, answer to your question, with the candles because it felt like it was the strongest story that we yeah. could get across that people could understand. Um, yeah, and with- and how important do you believe to have a story is? Uh, it, it, you can't do it without a story. Yeah, yeah, you can't. I mean, what, what, we're over consumed. Is that a word? We're we're, yeah, yeah. we're consuming too much. We're looking for ways to cut, quite rightly so, and not buy stuff. We don't need things. Yeah. I do believe that you'd have to reinvent the wheel. There's opportunity to to redevelop everything everywhere and do it better as time yeah. moves on and, and life goes goes on. But I think if there's not a reason, and that yeah. might just be that it looks beautiful, you know, but there yeah. has to be a reason why you're going to part with well-earned cash. For yeah. me, I can't imagine. No, yeah, I agree. You know, otherwise, why? Yeah, what's the point? Just going back to your anxiety and that and the switch. So when I, so I actually met Nicola over a week ago at the launch of um, your beautiful uh, new bath soap, magnesium, magnesium milk, bath milk, milk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and one of your employees was just sharing with me how it was you, like literally, and I can, when she's setting this, I can literally see you like tinkering around, creating <laughs> the the oils, right? That, you, that was, yeah. you know, how you literally started. Like, you know, when you think of the huge wellness brand that you are, you started in your kitchen um, yeah. making these oils. And so just to share with us that it was for you, your yourself, for your own oil. Then what? Why did you need it at the time? What was it? You know, the anxiety you're experiencing, the experiencing stress that you're experiencing. Why did you need that oil, and what did it do to help you? So, um, I suppose it's it's important to say when you start with anxiety, um, you start with anxiety. When you start, you know, when you have any health issue, I, I generally feel it's a toolkit of things that you need to put together. And as yeah. I said, for me. 
that conversation with my mom about looking after yourself and the various different elements was was kind of really was a bit of a another light bulb moment. Yeah. And I think when I went into that crusty health food shop and found those essential oils, I thought, you know, these could be a really interesting part of that toolkit. And along with the eating, you know, whole foods and and getting out in the sunlight and all the other bits and pieces that I was doing, they really were. And it felt sort of quite empowering that I could come back and create blends for myself dependent on how I was feeling that day. It almost Blend. felt like I had the tiniest bathroom in Islington. And it almost felt like I had my own sort of slightly luxurious apothecary. Yeah. And and it was generally for me anxiety. Um, yeah. As I said to you, friends of mine are suffering with poor sleep and, yeah. and lack of energy. But it, and for you me, created little anxiety. formulas for them, right? Yeah. And I was creating for Amazing. me for my anxiety, my sister for sleep, my then boyfriend who used to come back from playing football and then have no energy to go out partying on a Saturday night. <laughs> I, used to create, I created a blend that's still a really bestseller for us now, which is our Feel Refreshed fragrance. He thought that was so good. I used to put it in the bath. He thought that was so good. He, I remember him kind of going off on the tube with 30 little bottles for the for the football team. Oh. And he was like, God, they say this stuff's amazing. So it was the it was the act, I think, of going into my bathroom, wow. creating these blends. It honestly wasn't about creating a business in those wow. in those early days. Um, it was about how do I create something that works and 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 works for me and really can move the dial. And and I won't deny that it being gorgeous and luxurious was a important part of that. I didn't want this to be a pill. I was working in glossy magazines. You know, I was very aware of the nicest, most gorgeous products that that were out there. And so I think it being a real joy to use wasn't it was a hygiene factor. It it had to be it was it was integral to it. I wasn't going to get in a bath or light a candle that smelled horrible you know that the two things had to had to work from an efficacy point of view as much as it did from a gorgeous point of view that's why packaging i think is important important. to put in a brain brown paper bag otherwise we're back to that awful health food shop in islington you don't (laughs) want to get involved in that it's like going through a you can have the same workout in a really awful gym but it's not the same to walk through the door yeah it's just what it's not encouraging is it yeah so um so i was developing very much for my own anxiety but that that sort of whole package was really really important and yeah I mean I remember a time where I had the, like this kind of big bay window out onto uh, in a basement flat there must have been oh, there must have been two hundred and fifty tiny little samples and then I was putting them in waxes to see you know how does it smell wow. it's not very different in candle bases to being yeah. in in bath and then and then giving them to friends um, with all different kind of problems yeah seeing a lot of people in those early days to give me real yeah harsh feedback um so yeah that's how it that's how it started just amazing and i just think there must be people well there will be people that are listening to this that are in the same position right now they're kind of like you know the bathroom bedroom kitchen entrepreneurs kind of dreaming and wishing and like that this big brand but they're in this point what advice would you give to someone you know how did you kind of go from that to where you are like what do you think yeah. was it bringing Oliver in, did that make a big difference? No, I think, well, I think it was a few things. I think it was, um, you have to think um, big, but then also small at the same time. You know, people start by saying, I'm going to create a brand. I would always say, start with a hero project. Yeah. 
hero product that has eyes on where it's going so it fits in the sort of scheme of things when you're a much bigger brand but it's much easier to create one product or a um, small collection uh, it's easier on the purse it's easier for you to learn and refine that product when it goes out it's easier to tell that story you yeah. get cut through people get worried if they start with one product let's say uh you know if they want to start a homeware brand and they start with one cushion they yeah. get nervous that, well, then I'll be a cushion brand forever. N no, you won't, but you'll get a lot more cut through and it'll be a lot easier for you to manage yeah. on every level than you launching a homewares collection of 100 pieces, for example. Yeah. Well, yeah. Start small, but with an eye on big. I'd also say, and this we've touched on this with regards to life, I am really not a perfectionist. You've got to lower the bar, Yeah, you know? If I look back at some of the stuff that we did in those early days, I would absolutely cringe. And so much of it didn't stick. Yeah. That's fine because yeah. you test and you learn and you iterate and you test and you learn and you iterate. Yeah. So just getting yourself out there. I'm going to say you're doing a cushion brand just because it's at the side of me, you know, and you just go, I'm going to do one cushion in blue with a slogan on. And then you realize people don't like the blue as much as the red. Oh, they, do, they don't like that slogan as much as that slogan. You're well, going, that's going to happen. Learn. Yeah. Just yeah. start with it. And so many people, I think, get nervous of of making those initial mistakes and, and it's part of it. And you yeah. have to you have to commit to dropping those balls, being part of the process. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think feel like sometimes, you know, you and I've definitely been this person, I have such a vision for what I can create which almost overwhelms me. So I don't do anything. And even though it's like the tiny steps forward, it's like, I can create this, but how, the how just doing it. And that's just amazing advice. It's just start with one, nail that, and then grow from there. Absolutely. And yeah. you will be surprised. Even if I was doing something tomorrow with a whole load of cash and um, knowledge and access to people, I would still do it that way. Yeah. It's not me saying you've got to cut your cloth. It's actually the best way to start a yeah. business. Yeah. Because, it, it, as I say, it allows that cut through to happen a lot quicker and it allows you to test and learn and therefore grow quicker. Yeah. So it's, it's not about, um, well, I know you can't, therefore this is the way that, to do it. Yeah, it's yeah. the right way to do it. Um, and, and a lot of people stop for reasons, you know, they'll say, oh, I started a business, I started making mugs and I stopped because, and then the reason that they give me is like, it's like a, just an average sort of Tuesday morning problem to me. It's like, what? There's no reason to stop. I mean, even if you went bankrupt or the mugs all smashed or you got a terrible, so, do you know what I mean? You, yeah. you move on, you move on, you move on. So I think you've got to get your, get your head right that, yeah. then get it in that space as opposed to thinking the blockers, there, there are no blockers. Yeah. They're Love not. That. And just talking, as we're talking about this, mindset. You're obviously speaking to you, your mindset is still clear, focus, it's there. Do you do anything or have you read books? Have you, you know, do you do personal development to get yourself in that place? You know, how how have yeah, you I cultivated mean, this super positive, let's get out of there attitude? Well, bear in mind I'm not like this all the time. Okay. So I think that's only fair to say because everyone's like, oh God, if only I could have that attitude. Maybe I was you, Nicola. I yeah. Well, no, not that. No, not that. But, if, <laughs> you know, I know people think that because I'm on a yeah. podcast for an hour with you. So yeah. I'm obviously going to bring my best self. I'm not going to talk about all the rubbish stuff. But 
you know, I'll go and have a coffee in a minute and go, oh, bloody hell, this has gone wrong and that's not right in my life and da 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 da. Like we all have that, yeah. right? So don't, that's, I have that a lot and, and that's fine. It's, mm -hmm. I'm a human. So I don't think you, I don't think you can think that you have to be all or nothing. No. Uh, yeah, I'm always reading books. In fact, I started this thing on my own Instagram now because I read so many books and there is a Same. bit of puff out there. There is a bit of puff, of, I suppose there is when it comes to beauty products. Um, so I'm really interested in learning from people and you might just pick up one thing. One. I'm always looking for that. And I think I live half my life in New Yorkshire and half my life in London. And whilst I love Yorkshire in many ways and... Um, you know, I'm outside of my horse and my daughter a lot when I'm here. You definitely see that, that we are still surrounded by s quite small parochial mindsets yeah. a lot, you yeah, know, more. especially yeah. when you're outside of London. But yeah. anywhere, and I think that's really hard, hard to sort of battle against. So you have to surround yourself with people who who think the same as you and are pushing you in the same direction. And then I think that's really important. And that it's not just the people, it's the things you read, it's the things you consume. You've sort of yeah. almost got to, I suppose like if you want to be healthy, you've got to say no to eating cake every day. You've got to also sort of say no to those forces in life. And they're not bad, they're just maybe people that aren't aligned to what yeah. you think. So I, 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 then that, that's a massive work in progress for me. But doing that, and then the same with what you ingest with books, um, and information and 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 I think this took me to get to midlife to be like thank you very much for your advice but no thank yeah. you very much for that book but it's a bit useless like you know editing yeah. really constantly through things but there are some brilliant books and some brilliant people that I sort of I think are fail safes so that I that I definitely recommend a lot on my Instagram because um I think there's some you know again rewind back to 2005 and the self-help book genre was a was a bit tragic, yeah, right? Yeah, like, no, I did 2007, like The Secret came out and it changed my life. But that was the one yeah. book, you, remember? you know, the, the yeah. DVD that I watched and no. I remember thinking, oh my God, this is the answer. What's, what I find really fascinating is, I was doing some research on this the other day, and the vast majority of um, research into positive psychology, um, happiness, gut health, all of the things that, you know, have been such incredible kind of awakening pieces of yeah. information for us have only been found out in the last five to 10 years. Wow. And it's really, it's, it's, it's worth knowing because when you sit and you talk to our mothers or whatever, yeah. and they say, oh, we didn't have that in mind. I said, no, you didn't know. You didn't no. know. And no one so knew. Yeah. Nobody knew. So there's so much amazing information. So when you think, oh, is that really, is that a bit woo-woo? It, it just wasn't available. And yeah. because we're now talking about wellbeing, we're demanding to know more so we can feel better from everything from food to information to, you know, knowledge about sleep, health, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Then surprise, surprise, the money has been put into the research and the research is then being given back to us. Yes. Yeah. So, I think it's worth knowing that that sort of is relatively new and, and therefore a whole world to get involved in and, and learn from. Yeah. And I, it's just, I feel like for me, before I did any personal growth or developmental understanding who I was, it was, it was such an awakening. I was like, oh my gosh, like I actually have control of my thoughts and my mind. And, you know, I remember used to, I used to go to auditions and be so crippled with anxiety and nerves thinking, 
everybody's better than me. I'm just rubbish. And if I knew, I will say it's like what I know now, if I knew in my twenties, oh my goodness, you know, I would be, I'd be a different human in a different place, living a totally different, probably movie star life. That's what I want to say. But you know what? It was, it was just my mindset and my belief on who I was that kept me in that like small box, basically. Um, I think the 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 real shifter for me was I love Mo Gaudat's book Soul for Happiness. I think that was a real. I love Mo. I think he's an amazing guy. That was a real. You know, my sort of top three books that would be up there in terms of changing the way I look at the world. Yeah. Yeah. And what are your other two? Oh God, three. Oh sorry. I'm just looking around at my shelves. What do I really like? I really love everything that Rangan Chatterjee does. Actually, uh-huh. I rate him. I mean, it's a quite it's quite an easy step into un- understanding well being. But because he's a GP, yeah, but he's a holistic GP. I think he's really does a really good job of explaining stress and um, and he also very much as we sort of do at Neon believes it's about a toolkit. Obviously, it's not one thing. Yeah, so I think if you sort of new to the well being journey, I would definitely, I would definitely read any just a stress book he does a happy book everything he does i think it's pretty good and then what else do i particularly like oh do you know what i love i I just posted about it the day i love the cat comfort book by matt haig i know matt haig's very famous for um the midnight library and a lot of the novels that he's done that kind of make us think about things in a in a different way but the comfort book is it's a really nice book to gift to people it's sort of a little book a page every day you can look Mm -hmm. at and it really, it really makes sense and resonates. And um, oh, Brianna West is also brilliant for that. Her Instagram is fantastic as well. Yeah. Just so it's a small bites of wisdom. Yeah, I've got about twenty, but I, they're really up there. I would say in things that are really make sense and aren't yeah. sort of uh, regurgitating information. Yeah, yeah, and I think as well, like just for our listeners, but just. It's an ongoing process, you know. You never feel like you go right. Like there's one book that you know give has all the answers. It's, it's like our mind is just like our bodies. If we want to peach your bum, we have to go and do the squats four times a week. It's insane with our mind. If we don't yeah. use it and and understand it, it just kind of. And I, you know, over the summer holidays, I didn't really do much of anything. You know, and I start the kind of the year back in September, and I'm like, I feel like a mush in all areas because. I haven't like stayed on top of, you know, just just kind of the basics. Yeah, but that's fine then as yeah. well. Also, yeah. sometimes sometimes now I have days where I think, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to be yeah. quite lazy today. Yeah, why not? I feel like yeah. it, and you don't have to be on all the time. Yeah, but I think to your point as well, you, you know, you you hit different phases of your life, don't you? And everything oh, you you may made sense to you when the children were little. Suddenly the teenagers like, oh my God, I've got to learn again. Suddenly you're 45 and it's yeah. like, you know, all the things made sense at 20, 30, 40. Now it's like a completely new set of life problems. Yeah. Issues. yeah. So that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's be a new book. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So yeah. it's a, it's a never ending thing. Um, but with no, with no end game. Yeah, exactly. So Nicolette, talk to me about your, so you have a partner, a business partner, Oliver, and that is, I love learning that, Neom is just your initials. How amazing, but it sounds like such an amazing, like, I know I've I've got this from this old book or something, but actually just saying this, your initials are so simple. 
Well, do you know there's a really boring story behind oh my God, that? Tell me the boring story. Well, it's quite useful for people that are starting a business is um, when you're launching something that you want to be a direct-to-consumer brand, which we always knew we wanted Neom to be, yeah. and one thing we were kind of quite progressive with in the beauty space, that we were born at a point where people were starting to discover brands online before yeah. that just in stores. You can't get trademark for a name that is really well known. It's very hard to get trademark for oh, any name. Okay. So to get trademark for a name that you can also buy the the um, d- web domain for is really know. difficult. So, you know, something like, I don't know, the Cushion Company. Yeah. yeah maybe you can get that, but would be a lot harder than um, an algorithm. Uh, yeah. yeah, almost like a made, made up word. Like, yeah, exactly. So a word of it, yeah. exactly. So when you're starting something, um, make sure that you can think of something that you can check has availability globally. Or if you don't want to sell globally, that's fine. But at least you can get the, the website. So you start something, you think, oh, that's a lovely name. But practically, you well, can't get the website. You can't get it registered. You get somebody sending you a legal letter three years down the line. Yeah. Actually, do you not realize we've registered that name? So making up names a bit like a Kodak or a Google, or a, that's why yeah. these names now exist because um, because it's hard to get names elsewhere. So so it is a boring story, but I think it's quite useful. It's, yeah, I'm it's so interesting. You can go wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. And how did you know? Like you know, having a business partner, it's a big deal. Did you? Was it your idea, and you spoke to him, and it came on board? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, so I knew I wasn't great at finance okay. and I knew I wasn't great at um, operations or I didn't want to be involved in the operations. And I always think if you're getting a partner, and by the way, this might not be a business partner, this might be about you hiring this in. Yep. Most people say to me, oh, I've gone into business with Jane or whatever and um, she is, um, we, we both love fashion or we both love cushions or whatever. Yeah. And I just think, oh, that's not going to end well. Oh. Because you're going to stand on each other's toes. Yeah. Whereas when you have a very split skill set, it's you can both take one half of the business. And so, you know, the rule was anything that you touch, feel, see to do with the brand, to do with the magic, to do with explaining the products, to do with creating the brand would be me. Yes. Um, whereas I was not going to argue with Oliver about what warehouse we went into or, you know, what um, what system we had on the back end or what, you know, how when the accounts were filed. So yeah. I would always so- say, make sure that you are really, because I understand the benefit of having somebody who can chivvy you along. Yeah, like almost like your best friend doing a business together. It but it seems, doesn't last. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't last because yeah. in one year, two years, you've got two or three friends, two, sorry, two or three employees. You've also got your partner, your friend, yeah. whatever. So you don't really need that as much as you think. Certainly as time goes on, what you do need is somebody that you can rely on that takes a big part of the business that you know you're not great yeah. at or you don't, yeah. you're not interested in. Yeah. So always choose your partner wisely and make sure that it's somebody who is very different to you. Might have a, have a very similar mindset and a similar ambition. I'm not saying that, but it's very different in terms of skill sets. Yeah, yeah. And okay, you are, you're a mummy, two beautiful children. And just, you know, obviously they're a little bit older now and you know you're in a different stage of your life, but just talk to me. And I think because I'm so fascinated by this, when they're like, you know, babies going up through to 10, 11, 12, before they come into it more sufficient, how on earth did you grow this brand and be a mum 
and make it all work? Like, was it a kind of crazy mess the whole time? Yes. Yes. Oh my yeah. God. Thank you so it was a crazy mess, but also this is not an, I don't really like saying this, but I've got to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Remember a Victoria Beckham quote back in like 2010 or something. And she said, you know, there's three elements in life. There's your, your relationship, there's your business, there's your friends, your own sort of life. Yeah. If you want to be happy, if you want to succeed, you have to choose two of the three. And I really neglected for 10 years anything to do with myself. I had no hobby, didn't really see my friends very much at all, um, just so I could work and be a mum. And, yeah. you know, I get that. I don't know. Would I have done that differently? Maybe. I'm not saying do that. I just yeah. think it's really unfair of me to say I got the balance right because because I didn't. And, you know, I think you've got to think, look long and hard at your marriage and mm-hmm. who's prepared to put in what amount of work. Um, my ex-husband was great, actually, really, really great. We're not together anymore, but we were and he was great. Um, but and we didn't have any money for extra help at that no, time yeah, exactly. so that that's the answer help. i just you know get help but you know at the beginning stages you don't have that that extra have the cash you know, and yeah. also you know some people feel not that i think you should feel guilty and yeah. you feel like you're wasting that time and you know it's just really really hard so i can't say and, and we the pressure is on us isn't it that we yeah. put pressure on ourselves as women i don't feel like that was ever something that my now partner my then husband ever you know if, you ask this uh, question, if we were two dads no, sat on here would I say so Steve how do you feel that you know you're no, growing a business and never a dad it's like what I mean I, I I'm not no. I'm not having to go at you for this because you asked the question but it's just interesting my current partner is the CEO of a business and he gets interviewed more than me and I said do you ever get asked about work-life balance you well, just laughed I said you know there's no interview that goes past without me being asked about that and it being yeah. a massive part of it and again that's no no slur on, on you because people are interested in that but he has never ever been asked yeah. that question and um it's interesting i saw a thing on um tiktok yesterday and it was they'd overlaid um questions to male sports stars that they'd asked female sports stars oh and and it was it was so powerful because they're saying you know you look great in that outfit do as a twirl and and the man's like not not overlaid they'd ask yeah, the same yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. and the guy's yeah. like sorry something wrong with you yeah. and and all of these kind of questions that you know you would only ask of, of women and that in itself it's yeah. a double-edged sword because you're interested because you want to know and yeah. i get that, and your listeners are interested but the more we ask that and the more we make that you know one of the most yeah. important the more the balance is skewed. Yeah. And, and so, I don't know, I think that's really hard. Well, I think we've got, without going political, I think we've got a massive issue with childcare, with women yeah, in no, the I country agree. at the moment. That's where I see all of my really talented girls fall off a cliff. Oh, really? Years. Yeah. 27, 28, 29, have the first baby. And it's just, yeah. because And also, yeah. I feel, and I ask you the question because, and actually it makes me emotional, I have, I'm so ambitious and I'm so driven, but it's, and I guess a guy wouldn't feel this. Like within my heart, I feel a guilty, a sense of guilt because I should feel, I feel like, I don't know, maybe the world, maybe it's that the society thinks, well, Nicola, by feeling that and wanting to do that, then you're not being a good mom, you know? Yeah. And it's, and yeah. 
Does your husband feel that at all? No, no, of course not. Of course, you know, he did. He, exactly. Um, so yeah, and, and I wonder whether we have enough. I wonder whether we how we have enough role models. Of course, of, of all course, the women, we are. The, yeah, we yeah, are like, the examples. Exactly. And I find that now that I'm 45, but I find this is kind of a thing for me yeah. that I'm quite passionate about. With speaking to young women, is trying to show them. By the way, the 2.4 thing doesn't have to be the answer. Yeah. By the way, your children can still be happy if you work like a nutter. By the way, you know that you can drop balls. Is trying to give them examples yeah. that aren't too. I don't mean um, hero worshipping somebody who's done something right. I mean, actually, the reverse of that. Here's somebody who's done something a bit left field, a bit different, a bit for herself, and actually it kind of works out okay. And here's just a path that might be of use for you to pick through. And I can't think of many women that Mm -hmm. aren't very left field where that's concerned, i.e., you know, didn't have the children maybe and and, and worked all hours God sends in the city. I can't think of that many women who are yeah. 10 years older than me that I can go to and I can say, help me, tell me. Yeah. So I do feel some responsibility yeah. just for, to say to younger women, here's what kind of worked for me and what didn't work and where. Yeah. And also just to down. give them permission that it's okay. Like it's okay to, you know, you're not going to be the perfect mum and sometimes your business might not be going, but just to keep going and, and it's okay. It's that, it's that reassurance feeling, I guess, that, you know, we're not. I'm. I've definitely been looking for, but kind of haven't found. I, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I used to. My mum didn't work, so I used yeah, to. Same. Long time. And I used to go to the children of of successful women, whatever you know. Somebody worked for me, or somebody who's younger, and their mum worked, and they were doing something quite well, or spending a bit of time on it. I'd go, "Do you hate her or do you love her?" And they were like, "What? I'm what? really proud of her." I was like, "Yeah." Okay. Okay, fine, 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 fine. It was like, you know, I need that yeah. assurance that they're not going to wake up one day and go, you yeah. selfish cow. And actually, but, you know, like, for example, I don't know, Harper Beckham and the Beckham's kids. Aren't they like, I can't believe my mama has her own fashion brand and she's, of course not. It makes you either, it's like you can be both and both yeah. is amazing and inspirational. And yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's come on to the actual band, the, your business. So the brand launched in 2005, right? Yes. Yeah. And then the just going through the journey of what that looks like today, how you started with one product um, and then how did it kind of develop after that? So um, we have built it very slowly, brick by brick. And I think this is important to say as well, you don't have to do that. You know, if we'd got funding earlier or we'd, you know, decided to be we had enough cash to not have to live off the business so yeah. the point at which we did we could have gone faster but we didn't we went slower again six and two threes could argue for both but we we went very slowly um because we had to live off the business because we had no money elsewhere yeah and because um also we wanted to learn and we wanted to retain control we didn't want to get an investor in early on we wanted to be our own bosses because that mm-hmm. was part of an entrepreneurial journey for for me um more than making the money actually or certainly as much so um we so we went really really slowly um we launched with the candles then we went to um hand washes and hand lotions then we went to reed diffusers so we slowly built it up yeah. um, we were very late to open our first store that was sort of after we'd got quite a lot of wholesale customers Think we had about 300 wholesale customers wow. that's individual mom and pop kind of stores i used to go around wow. i remember i had a mini at the time i used to sort of figure out 
obviously today's before sat now, so my God, I'm so old. We used to like <laughs> print the map off and then yeah, figure yeah. I can do some, yeah, seven trips in a day to see people, re-merchandise the stock, explain the brand, um, try and sell them more, come back yeah. away with another order, that kind of thing. So started really, really small. And then um and then and we were online and offline. So we sort of had so this multi-channel business, as as I said. Um times it was sort of more offline and then as people started buying more it became more online we're now almost we're more than half online um and then we eventually decided to open our first store um so we opened our first store in Wimbledon um really small store and it was a relatively cheap rent and rate so yeah. we could sort of trial that out without feeling we were we've done everything I think quite gingerly yeah uh, again because we had so we could never we could never really bet the farm we yeah. always had to go yeah, yeah quite slowly um and then sort of fast forward from that and now we're you know England is still the UK is still our number one um market but we're also making really great progress in North America so I go out there twice a year um, we um have seven stores now but we're just opening next week um our new store in Bista proper big brilliant store wow. in Bista so I mean, Bista village is just the <laughs> so excited we've got uh, five really big now proper counters opening next month in John Lewis oh, wow. so you know downstairs in yeah. the proper department not being on a shelf somewhere which has only took me 10 12 years to get there <laughs> it's been hard um so yeah it's been uh, it's been slow but but I think we've learned all the way and yeah and yeah I don't know would I do it again a different way maybe it's but I can read it's really it's your brand it's your baby that you've grown you have a kind of had an idea and then passed it on like it's still no. yours yeah I can really tell that yeah, yeah. No, totally I mean you know even last night they were sending me a, a homepage banner for uh, that goes live next week I think and I could see I'm tinkering with far too much detail on it which by the way I don't usually but there's just the odd thing where you go no no that's gone off yeah. because of xyz or you know um why are we heroing one wicks and not three wick candles because a three wick candle is the traditional neon candle yeah. that's the one that really is our is our hero yeah. the one wick is a smaller candle and the three wick works because it was designed so that you know a room is filled with enough fragrance for the treatment effects to yeah. work not one wick you know, the one wick is a smaller version of that people come on board new people come on board they don't understand that you have to explain mm, it to them again no. So, you know, and you're constantly evolving, thinking, oh, we need a blueprint over there. We need to have that written down well, somewhere so people can can learn and, and yeah, they know my thinking. Yeah, because then they make the right decisions. Yeah. So it's a it's a balancing act between, you know, we have an MD now, Isabel, who is brilliant and runs Thanks. pretty much everything for me, but still that sort of touch on things, you find sometimes it's that extra ten percent that well, makes the magic happen. Yeah, you know, yeah, that you are the magic. You are. Thank you. Thank you. Nicholas, <laughs> the magic. We're the magic. And you're also B Corporation certified, aren't you? Yeah, we How are. How long ago did you get your certification? Uh, 18 months, I think. Okay, okay. Just, yeah, nearly 18 months. About, yeah. Been about 15 yeah. months. And hard. Hard. Yeah, it's so hard. Yeah, I work with a brand that is B Corporation certified. It's been about three and a half years now. And yeah. So just explain to, to me why that was so important for your brand to become be cool. It was important for my brand. It was also important for me. I, I think there needs to be standards around yeah. businesses doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I had this call once about two years ago. And usually Oliver used to sign off on all kind of big purchase orders. And it was just some hand cream tubes. 
And it was a real light bulb moment for me that they rang me and said, now, you know, we can spend, I don't know, let's say £10,000 on 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 these uh, tubes with a single-use plastic. Or if we use the recycled, recyclable ones, it's 15000 Just checking with you which ones you want to order. And I was like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be allowed to make decisions on things like that, you know, because I chose the fifteen thousand pound, you know, and spent the extra money. But how many people wouldn't, you know, yeah, yeah. And and so it feels to me like we have to move to a place where there is regulation on not just product um, ethics, but also across your business, people ethics. And what a B Corp is, people don't realise is B Corp is where a business is legally. Um, it has to file all of its reports on people, planet, and profit. So when you file your company accounts, usually you, you file them based on the profit. It doesn't just allow you to no. judge the profit. You have to also be completely transparent when it comes to the people. And by the way, that's not just the people who work for you internally at Neon. It's the people who work in the factories and the people who work in the farms. Um, and and the products, so everything that's produced, how it's produced. Mm. Um, so it's really, really hard. And I wonder if there should be a sort of B Corp light, which might encourage even more businesses that didn't have the time and money to do it. That's another yeah. conversation. But I do feel like, you know, look, obviously we're in this to make a profit, but at what cost? Yeah. Should be something that you know there's some guardrails around yeah. and so i feel that's important for we're talking about well-being it's got to be a part of that toolkit yeah yeah it's got to be but also it, it, it it's just the right thing to do yeah and what did you learn in the process of doing you know your is there like one person that comes in and kind of literally dives into every single part of your business don't they yeah what is well, we the two we work what? with an agency but we also had okay. somebody in in-house a girl called charlotte who's amazing and um she really headed up spearheaded that project for us and i thought it was yeah, again it's a cost but to make yeah. sure somebody internally really understands it rather yeah, than yeah, it yeah. being an external thing felt okay. less Checkbox exercise, and then she tries to keep those values alive because obviously it's not a one-time project. You have to constantly yeah. go back and try and improve that score. Yeah. You know, last week we were did, um, we were cycling miles for mental health outside all our our shops. That's a part of the B Corp process because right. you're doing something for charity, you're doing something for your team. She's making sure constantly. It's silly things like we we're opening some new stores. You have to have these things, I don't know what they're called, put on the taps to make sure that the water, that you don't use too much water. So constantly you're making decisions. The obvious ones are where your box cardboard comes from and how recycled your mail order boxes are, et cetera, et cetera. But there's bits that go through everything, every element of your business. that you know, we, we've just re, re, republished our, our neon values, and again, we have to make sure that everyone's aligned. That that comes from me, yeah. but we have to make sure everyone in the team's aligned. That's part of B Corp is making sure that your team goes on that on that journey with you in lots of places you wouldn't realise. Right. right. So, um, and that's a balancing act as yeah. a lead, right? Because you you need to set the tone, but you need to take people on the journey. But I think everyone learns from that how to yeah. run better businesses. So we've learned loads. Yeah, but and do you feel that like the community within your employees is just, you know, obviously I met quite a few of them, but like they just, it was like they're like mini versions of you with their own personality, but they love the brand <laughs> just as much as you I've did. I've read them. I've yeah. read, I've read <laughs> them. Except my children. A hundred of children. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, look, we have really strong values at Neon. Okay. It actually yeah. took a while for me to kind of articulate that. No, no. Because it's almost like you're sort of denouncing yourself to three things. But I think when you can do that, I'd always recommend try and do that when you're a brand. Because I think hiring and making sure that the team um, sort of is constantly um, performing against those values yeah. means that you're all very cohesive. You can hire better. You can um, set tones for events yeah. that you do better. And I think they are they are very much in line with our with our sort of um with our values. Yeah. And also, do you know, again, I'm forty five. I don't want to work with people I don't think are brilliant. I know. Sorry, I, I also don't you vibe off. Like they you want to feel yeah. like you're like they're your mates and that you want yeah. to see them every day. Yeah. You know, you're seeing them more than your single children. Yeah, so, I mean, like one of our one of our values is be a good egg. I'm like, you know, sorry oh, if I have yeah. to explain that to you. You're not right. Bye. Yeah. Goodbye. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Someone who's a bit, I don't know, snippy or doesn't quite give that much or doesn't turn up with a box of biscuits for the team when you had a shit day yesterday. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. your mum should have taught you this. Yeah. Like, I want good eggs. Yeah. And um and and I think it is the gel that moves things forward in an entrepreneurial business when things go wrong. All, all the time, yeah. all the time, and things haven't been set out. Sorry, there isn't a rule book half the time because we weren't this size last year, so we yeah. don't have a rule book for it. The thing that you need is someone to have that kind of roll their sleeves up, you know, challenge everything, attitude, and and ultimately be a good egg and go. Do you know what? Ah, we got that wrong. Never mind. We're finishing an hour early. We're going for a pizza and we're resetting tomorrow. Yeah. If you haven't got that, then everything sort of goes yeah. wrong. Yeah. And obviously, you're only as strong as your team, really. You know, it's obviously yeah. it's you, but without without them, without your core people, there's no business. You know, yeah, I don't so want to so, go there. I don't yeah. want to go. I want you yeah. know, I hang around there later and go for extra drinks and do extra things because because they're cool. They're cool yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, so, totally. Yeah. Makes everyone um, want to work more. What areas? So a big cool question. Uh, what areas of the business are making the most positive impact? Would you say in your business? Oh gosh, that's really hard. I mean, like, do you feel like that you're like, do you know what we're doing that really well? Was it the people? Is well, it the planet? Is it the profit? I think we're doing all of them well. Honestly, Amazing. I do. Like, yeah, we're doing them all really well. I think it's interesting now that five years ago, when we were trying to find, you know, sustainable packaging yeah. and vessels and fill, you know, even where we would get waxes from etc so hard yeah now the demand is there it has become slightly easier because because um people are now suppliers are now working with and trying out new materials experimenting a lot more than they were before um, and i think because we're a bit bigger that coupled yeah. with the fact that they're getting more demand in general from the industry means you know we've got the ability to do more yeah. great stuff yeah. so I think we're doing, I'd say we're one of the best brands in the UK for making really good strides with with that. I mean, you know, pretty much everything that we produce is reusable, um, refillable, um, recyclable. So that makes sense. Yeah. It, it's, it's and, and we were built like that sort of very early on. Yeah. Um, so I think we do a very, very good job where product is concerned. Really, really good. And people, I think we do a really good job where people's concerned. Yeah. Um, and you know we we do well with the numbers. I think we. Uh, do you know what? Yeah. Parade yeah. to my team. Not yeah. 
great to my team for that. We we are good at that. Yeah. Yeah. And what's next for you, Nicola? What's like your vision for yourself, for your business? So what what you look inside? Like what is it that you see? Well, you know, we set this up to be the number one well-being brand. And we are there in the UK. We've got some real strides to make in North America. It's like starting all over again when you usually go to a new country. But having a brilliant team in place allows me to really focus on a lot more of the thought leadership stuff. I mean, even talking to you, I wouldn't have time, you know, five years ago to sit and and do a podcast for an hour and a half. And I'm doing trading this afternoon. I would have had to have been, you know, knee deep in doing stuff. And so I think the nice thing about growing and getting people to run that not only are they better than me because they've done it before and right. so they are um and we could afford better people as well of course that's the yeah. reality but is that it allows me to do a lot of that thought leadership stuff so i can post on instagram about books that i think are really amazing that also are going to help you on your stress journey i can go on podcasts and talk about really the meaning behind me um so people understand it rather than yeah. just at product level i can you know um spend more time really sort of thinking about those kind of big vision products. And we can afford to do products that might not even be those kind of quick high sort of selling items, but they can be products that really help people. Or, you know, we do a wellbeing edit every January. It doesn't make us any money, but it's great for signposting people to other products that help. So that sort of high level thinking, which allows us to be that number one wellbeing brand and talk to our customers on a much more kind of bigger, wider level. I love doing. It's my passion. I feel I'm pretty well-versed and well-educated in that. Mm. And I think I have now the time to do that. So I love doing that. Um, And then, you know, we will open some more stores. Not not many. We will open a few more stores. We've got some more in for next year. I am on a plane more because the children are older. So, you know, I I have no qualms about leaving two RC teenagers (laughs) as much (laughs) as I did Five and eight. <laughs> so, yeah. Love that. And my final question for you is, what advice would you give to your younger self? I think be a bit more patient. I was always, and I still am, always in a rush. Oh, my God. Same. Yeah. And always like, if I don't, you know, scrabble to it, if I don't, and it doesn't really make any difference. You just yeah. cause yourself angst. Um you know, you're going to get there anyway. Just enjoy the ride a bit more. Uh, uh, that that constant worry, will I get there? And if I do this and if I do the other, I think like take a bit more of a chill pill. Yeah. And um, and I think again, we, we, without repeating ourselves, being able to create that well-being toolkit, talking about it so you understand the importance of it, you see it as a, a necessity, not just a luxury. Yeah. Maybe if I'd known that, that would yeah. have helped me to create that sort of more balanced lifestyle and yeah. really honour those pockets of time for myself throughout the day, um, which maybe would have in turn helped me doing that. But I don't know. I would have done a, I would have done a load different, and I would have yeah. done a load the same. The thing is, if you hadn't been pushed to breaking point, you wouldn't. Have, we wouldn't have the brand that you have today. And so it's like then that pressure, but, isn't it? You know, a, a diamond is formed under pressure. Like you had to get to that point where you were like enough. And now you yeah. have this amazing yeah, and, and brand, Exactly. You know? And you have to realize I got Neon, it came at a cost. Yeah. You know, I've done well here, it came at a cost there. Yeah. Everything has got it's a year. Lot. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Everything. So if you want to nail that, it will come with that. And you have to pick and choose. And that's life. Yeah. 
Nicola. It has been the biggest pleasure. I would literally sit and talk to you all day. I've got a million questions, uh, but I just want to wrap this up by saying thank you so much gratitude for myself and all the Inspire podcast listeners. I know that there's going to be so many nuggets that have been taken away from, say, even me just now. Like, right, what can I implement that I have just spoken to you about? So keep being amazing, keep shining. Um, and I just, you know, if you're not following Nicola on our social media, please, it's at Nicola Elliot Neon isn't it? That's right. Two yeah. two T's at Nicola Elliott Neon. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's just, so, it's just so nice. It's just, I feel when I go to your page, it gives me the warm fuzzies. That's oh, what I feel thank like. You. So thank you. Thank you. No well, well done. I love the podcast. You're doing a brilliant job as well. So Thanks, honey. we'll see you soon. Take care everyone. Bye. Bye.